What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of NFL Study Hall. Today, we're jumping into our first week of fantasy football rankings. And before I get to that, I want to mention the Madden 23 ratings. I know they came out a few weeks ago. I never really got a chance to touch up on them, but I think it is good to finally enter that realm. I'm not a huge Madden guy myself, but I definitely think I can comment on a few of these rankings. I have a few problems, but surprisingly, with a lot of uproar that went on in the NFL community about the Madden ratings, I don't have a huge problem with most of them. Again, make sure you guys are subscribing on Instagram and Twitter to my social media accounts, putting all my information out there in my own graphics. It's been a blast making those and getting in community with you guys. I've been uh, having a lot of fun with it. But today, let's go straight in to the Madden 23 rankings. We're going to go in the order that we were released in, starting with the wide receivers. 99 overall ranking, the first member of the 99 club in 2022, goes to Devontae Adams. Couldn't agree more. I personally think he's the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, hands down. 98 for Cooper Cup, just had the triple crown last year, no problems there. Tyreek Hill, 97 with a 99 speed, obviously good. DeAndre Hopkins is a 96, and even though he hasn't really produced much lately, I still think this is a good ranking. Stephon Diggs, 95, great. Justin Jefferson at a 93. I think this is okay. I maybe would have done a 92 or 91, but my problem is that you put Justin Jefferson at a 93 and a Jamar Chase at an 87, who's ranked, I believe, 20th. That's, I mean, everyone had a problem with Jamar Chase, but my problem is that you have Jamar Chase at 87, and Justin Jefferson at a 93. I know he bro broke uh, the rookie receiving record in his rookie year two years ago. And I, this is something common that I've been seeing in the Madden rankings just this year. Hadn't really looked at him previously. But Madden loves when you are consistent over time, not just one huge breakout season. So even though Jamar Chase was absolutely a top five wide receiver last year, if he can do it again, he'll easily be in the 95-93 conversation. Mike Evans at 92. I think that's disrespectful. I would love to see him at a 94. He's the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL right now. I am a huge fan of Mike Evans. And then the rest of these, Amari Cooper being at a 90 is definitely a little too high. I uh, would love to see him back at the 87 and have Jamar Chase come up to the 90 spot. Moving over to ed edge rushers. Obviously, you got Aaron Donald again in the 99 club, no question. Miles Garrett in the 99 club, I'm not a huge fan of. I think he's definitely a 98, but to put him at the same level as an Aaron Donald, I don't think um, does Aaron Donald justice. I think he's leagues ahead of Miles Garrett, even though I think Miles Garrett is an absolute beast and he's found a home in Cleveland. Um, I, I don't... To, to be in that 99 club when you don't even have any of your individual rankings out of the 99 is, um, is a little messed up in my opinion. TJ Watt at a 96, cool. And then the rest of these... Yeah, I'm liking these a lot. You got Khalil Mack only at a 92. That's fine. Von Miller at a 92. That's fine. Um, no huge problems in the edge rushing position. Running backs. This was another big one considering that Jonathan Taylor is only at a 95 when he had hu his huge massive season. Again, they want consistency over time. He broke out the end of his rookie year and then had a huge second year just like Justin Jefferson again. Um Jonathan Taylor at 95 is okay, um, but I'm not like the guy who wants to put him out obviously in the 99 club or the 98 club. Derrick Henry at 97 is cool. Christian McCaffrey at a 96. Everyone's talking how he hasn't played at all. Listen, if he was playing, he would be in the 99 club. He's that good. He's that consistent. 
when he's on the field. The only reason he's not any higher is because he's been injured. I love the justice to Nick Chubb at a 96. He's been the most consistent running back out of all these running backs in the league. And I think he's totally at the 96 level. 94 for Dalvin Cook, 93 for Joe Mixon, 90 for Alvin Kamara, no problems there. And 88 for Austin Eckler, I have a huge problem with. I'm saying a 92 for Austin Eckler. I think he is amazing both in the run game and the pass game. He can just do everything across the board. He had just as many total touchdowns as Jonathan Taylor last year. Definitely think Austin Eckler could go a little bit higher. Moving into the secondary positions, you got Jalen Ramsey at a 98, no problems there. Jair Alexander at a 94, kind of a drop-off there, along with Tyron Matthew. I would put the Honey Badger maybe at a 95. I think he's a little bit better than Jair Alexander. And then the rest of these, Derwin James Jr. at a 93, Tredavious White at a 93. Would love to see J.C. Jackson there. I think J.C. Jackson's only like a 90 or an 89. I think he has been the most consistent cornerback in the last two years, so I would love to see him up here with these guys. Um, and then the rest of these, Denzel Ward, Darius Slade Jr., Buda Baker, all getting their respect at 92. So I think that, you know, that, that that's pretty good. And then obviously the quarterbacks, this probably had the most debate out of any position with Tom Brady being the highest man at a 97 and Aaron Rodgers at a 96. I don't have huge problems being having, having these two guys be the top two guys. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers, though, at the 98 spot. And keeping Tom Brady at the 97, I think Aaron Rodgers, from a Madden perspective and from a football perspective, has done a little bit more for his team than Tom Brady in the past. Except, I wonder if there's like a setting where Aaron Rodgers just collapses when you have like a playoff game or something like the two-minute drill. Uh, because that has definitely been his weak spot in the past few years. Patrick Mahomes at a 95, probably could go to 96. Josh Allen at a 92. Just disrespectful, in my opinion. Just got to have the guy at least at a 95. What he did last year and in that playoff game against the Chiefs was absolutely ridiculous. Justin Herbert at an 88. Probably could put him at a 90 or 91. I don't think he's anywhere close to the higher ranges. Like like Joe Burrow's a 90. That's where Justin Herbert should be, maybe at a 91 even. Uh, just because he's done a little bit more, especially at rookie season. Lamar Jackson, 87. Maybe could go 88. Matthew Stafford, 85. See, the problem is, like, everyone had a huge problem with this because he had a Super Bowl ring, but he threw a lot of interceptions this year, which kills you in Madden, maybe not as much as it does in real football. Like, Matthew Stafford is a great quarterback, but he throws a lot of interceptions. That's why he's not very high on the overall ratings. I don't see what the huge problem is with that. Yes, he became clutch, or maybe he was clutch, but... Clutched up in the playoffs, but a lot of times in the regular season, he did throw some interceptions, and I think that's the main reason his overall is an 85. Would I have it that low? No, I'd maybe have it at 88. I don't even know if I would put it in the 90. Maybe a 90 even, put it along there with Joe Burrow, but that's about it. So those are the Madden ratings right there. Oh, one more. Yeah, team ratings. This is, <laughs> this is my biggest problem, right? Team ratings for Madden is the... Tampa Bay Buccaneers at a 92, Buffalo Bills 89, Rams 88. Let's just stop there. For some reason, everyone thinks this Bucs team is going to be absolutely ridiculous this year, or at least Madden does with Tom Brady at 97, that team at a 92. The Bills only at 89, that's just awful. This Bills roster is the best that they've had in decades. 
AIDS. And last year, they were 13 seconds away from making from potentially making it to the AFC Championship game. The Bucks didn't even get there. I think the Bucks should at least. I think the Bills should be the 92 team, and the Bucks should go down to a 90. Everyone else is pretty good. Cowboys at an 86. Yeah, Chiefs at an 86 could probably go to an 87. And the rest of these, Browns at an 84 could go way down. Dolphins could probably go a little bit up from 83 to 85, maybe. Um, Colts at an 82. Their roster is so good, but they got to prove themselves, so I have no problems there. And my Texans at a 74. It's really hard to argue with that one. They're the worst team in Madden right now, and I can't really blame them. Do I have high hopes for them? Sure. Um, from a Madden perspective, would I play with them? Yeah, not happening. Okay. So we're good there. We're good there. Now, getting into my favorite part of this show and probably just this podcast in general, we're finally getting into the fantasy football rankings, getting into it. I don't know how many of you guys have done your drafts yet. This is why I did it earlier because for some reason, people just go ballistic as soon as the Hall of Fame game goes down. Like People just want to start fa- drafting fantasy football players. I'm waiting at least three more weeks, guys. I got to see who's going to get injured in preseason, what's going to happen in practices and whatnot. I just want to wait. But I think we can make some judgments now that we got the schedule out, we got the final rosters out, we can go and we can put some rankings on the board. How I've done it in the past is I've started from 10, gone to 1, and then giving you my extra players that I would like to see this season. I'm going to do it the opposite. I want to give you the number 1, go down to 10, and then maybe some extra guys. Because the thing is, when you go from 10 to 1, by the end, everyone knows who that number 1 team is going to be, right? If you go from 1 to 10, then you're always wondering who is going to be later on the list. And it helps out teams who maybe aren't going to have always that opportunity to get that number one guy. We're going to go tight ends, defenses, and kickers because I've already used some time on Madden. Next week, the entire section segment is going to quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers, three most important positions. Let's dive straight into it with my tight ends. With the number one overall spot for the first time in probably his career is Mark Andrews from the Baltimore Ravens. Now we know what you guys are thinking. Because they lost Hollywood Brown, everyone's going to team up on him. Well, that's not necessarily the case. This man has been putting up numbers every year he's been with the Baltimore Ravens. Last year, he had 153 targets. That is the most out of any tight end in the National Football League last year. He also led in yards with 1,361 and tied for the most in touchdowns with nine, played all 17 games. That was with Hollywood Brown. Now he's going to be without Hollywood Brown. Will he get more than all that because he's the number one target now? I don't know, but... I don't think his progress is going to decrease dramatically. Their schedule is relatively easy when you go to a team in the AFC. The secondaries they're going to play are not that hard. Lamar Jackson is black. Lamar Jackson is back, and he that's his favorite target in Mark Andrews. I think Rashad Bateman is going to have a huge impact on the team as well. But I just love how consistent this man has been year after year after year. Now, If you want to go with Travis Kelsey, who's my number two man, he had 19 less targets, over 200 yards less, same amount of touchdowns, only played 16 games. If you want to go with Travis Kelsey, 
Knock yourself out. These are by far the two best tight ends in the National Football League, though. National Football League. Though, I'm going to go with Mark Andrews first. I love what the I love the production he's been able to put year after year after year. These are two guys who have lost their number one wide receivers, but they've also but but the biggest thing is Travis Kelsey. His team brought in wide receivers. Baltimore Ravens didn't. So now Travis Kelsey is going to have help with Marquez Valdez Scantling and Juju Smith Schuster. Mark Andrews not so much. He's going to get J.K. Adams back help out the run game, and he's going to get Lamar Jackson back at the quarterback position. But when it comes to spreading the ball around, it's going to happen more in Kansas City than it is in Baltimore. I've got Mark Andrews first, Travis Kelsey second. Third, even though he hasn't done much, I'm going to put George Kill at third. I, you just cannot go wrong with this man at third. 94 targets last year, 910 yards, six touchdowns on only 14 games. The man is just able to produce. Now he's got a brand new quarterback with Trey Lance. Hopefully Lance is going to understand the type of tight end he has I just think he might not make all the explosive plays but he can get you the yards he can get you red zone touchdowns he's just probably outside of Andrews and Kelsey the most the most trustworthy and reliable tight end there is I'm going to take George Kittle at third now my dark horse my man of the hour Dalton Schultz from the Dallas Cowboys hear me out guys This man lit it up in fantasy last year as a top five tight end. 104 targets, 808 yards, and eight touchdowns in all 17 games. The man was ridiculous. Now he's got Dak Prescott, who has lost both Cedric Wilson Jr., Amari Cooper, and I believe they just lost one more wide receiver, in an injury this week or something like that. The only guy he's got is C.D. Lamb. That's it. Otherwise, it's Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz also has had a great record of staying healthy, knock on wood. But I think Dalton Schultz is going to be that man he's going to go to in the red zone. C.D. Lamb might be the deep ball guy. But I absolutely was surprised when I saw Dalton Schultz do as much as he did last year in the final rankings he had, top five tight end. If you want to wait on tight ends and let those other big three go and get Dalton Schultz, maybe like in the sixth or seventh round, absolutely go for it. I think he is going to be just as good as he was last year, just as solid as a tight end, number one tight end, absolutely for sure. Give me Dalton Schultz at number four. Number five, I'm going to go with Darren Waller. Again, another surefire tight end. Definitely had a decreasing season last year. But listen, when this man is fully healthy, he came in and out of games last year, only played 11 games had 665 yards, two touchdowns, and 93 targets. But he was averaging 7.1 fantasy points a game, which was top five in the league last year. So even though he was really inconsistent and fantasy owners hated knowing when he was going to play well or not, I think at a fully healthy level, now he's got a huge wide receiver in Devontae Adams to take some of the load as well. Get him in the red zone. He's going to be big. This has been Derek Carr's favorite receiver for the last three seasons. I don't think there's anywhere you can go wrong putting Darren Waller at my number five spot and a number one tight end in your league. Now, Kyle Pitts has been really high on a lot of people's lists. And why not, right? He had 110 targets last year, over 1,000 yards, 
only one touchdown, averaged 6.4 fantasy points a game, and he's going to be the only receiver in Atlanta now that Calvin Ridley's been suspended a whole year. Where can't you go wrong with Kyle Pitts going high? I'll tell you where you can go wrong. Because he only had one touchdown last year. Fantasy is one on touchdowns. And when I see Kelsey, Andrews, Schultz, uh, and Dawson Knox even have nine or eight touchdowns, that is, do the math real quick, 27 more fantasy points a year. That's just in, it's just unbelievably more for your team. Is Kyle Pitts going to get a lot of looks? Yes. But in his second season where people know, you might put your best cornerback on Kyle Pitts just because there's no one else on that roster besides a rookie. There, there's just, I don't see Kyle Pitts repeating what he did last year. Will he be great? Absolutely. Could you wait on him in fantasy? No doubt. But I'm going to take the guys who have proven themselves with a little bit more experience and have other weapons on their team to take the hit. But I'm still going to put Kyle Pitts at six. Now, when I was making this list, it was obvious to me what those top six were going to be. Seven through 10 is where I'm not really sure of myself. This At this point, you could have an equal chance of doing well with any of these next four players. I'm going to go with Dawson Knox at seven. I love this man from Buffalo. 587 yards last year, nine touchdowns, only played 15 games. Came out of the league absolutely on fire. Was the number one tight end in fantasy for like the first half of the season. Started dealing with injury problems and kind of fell off the cliff by the end of the season. So if he gets back up to the way he was, he's going to be fantastic. I think he's always like a surefire five points in fantasy. The only questions around Dawson Knox this year is that they got OJ Howard from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So was Howard going to take any of the load at the tight end position? I would hope not because Knox is in like... What is the word I'm looking for? It's not instrumentally. It's maybe it is instrumentally more for the team of Buffalo than OJ Howard could ever be. So I think Dawson Knox is a great guy to have on your team. And I think with the nine touchdowns and with the red zone performances I've seen from him, there's nowhere you can go wrong there. TJ Hawkinson at eight. Listen, this man has always cracked the top 10 in fantasy and he's cracking my top 10 right now. He won't ever be a top three tight end, I don't think, unless the Detroit Lions can find themselves an all-star quarterback instead of Jared Goff. But I think this year they're gonna start using of they're gonna start using St. Brown at the wide receiver spot a lot more. And I think they're going to open up the passing game instead of trying to cram it in to Hawkinson every single down, it seemed like his rookie season where he just got all of these kinds of looks. I think he's gonna be a solid tight end. But I sense that that offense is going to expand more and Hawkinson might lose his targets. Zach Ertz at nine. This man has the potential to be, once again, a top five tight end in the National Football League, like he was in Philadelphia. The problem is in Arizona, I don't like his quarterback a ton. And I think that he is going to be the main target now that DeAndre Hopkins is suspended six games. And even when he comes back, he might lose a lot of touches. So he's going to be covered more, and then he's going to lose touches. Is he a sure? Is he a great tight end who had 763 yards out of 112 targets last year? Absolutely. Is he someone who's going to compete for a top five tight end spot? No. Is he someone you can just like not care about in fantasy and then grab him at the last second? Absolutely. I think he's a top 10 tight end, but I wouldn't take him like I'm not going after Zach Ertz like I used to. 
And then rounding up my top 10 is going to be Dallas Goddard. Again, a tight end that a lot of people have just super high on this on their list. But with A.J. Brown and a second-year Devontae Smith going in Philadelphia, I don't expect him to do as well. 830 yards last year, which I think was top five in the NFL, but only four touchdowns and only 76 targets out of 15 games played. Those targets, I believe, are going to decrease significantly this year because of all the weapons they got in Philadelphia. Is Jalen Hurts going to do a lot better? Absolutely. But Dallas Garter as a tight end, everyone knows about him. You're going to put your best linebacker linebacker on him. I'm not a huge fan of him. I'm not a huge fan of him in fantasy this year. I think he's not going to have as many looks, as many touchdowns. I think that offense again like Zach Ertz or like TJ Hawkinson is going to expand a little bit. I'm taking my bet more on a Dawson Knox or TJ Hawkinson that I would a Dallas Dallas Goddard. Wow, verbs, nouns, today, struggling. The other three, now that rounds up my top 10. I am surefire going to go with these 10 over anyone else because I trust them as a player the most. There are some guys that I think have the potential depending on how their quarterback plays. The first being Mike Gusecki. This man had 112 targets last year and only 780 yards with two touchdowns. To me, the man is a great player, didn't really do well catching the ball last year, didn't really have any great quarterbacks throwing to him, but we have seen what a Tyreek Hill-led offense, we've seen what the tight end can do in Travis Kelsey. Is Mike Isecki Travis Kelsey? Absolutely not. But... Someone you might want to look out for in free agency this year is if Gusecki keeps getting the ball thrown his way, especially in the red zone, maybe you want to pick him up as a backup. David Njoku for Cleveland hasn't done really anything his career. Only 475 yards last year with four touchdowns. But that Cleveland offense kind of now revolves around Chubb and Njoku. He got his huge contract this year. With Jacoby Brissett coming into the system, I think Njoku's going to get a lot of more looks. Will he produce like crazy? No, and I'm not even going to think about putting him in my top 10. But I think it is worth noting that his impact on that offense will increase in 2022. And it might be something to look out for later in your fantasy year when someone gets hurt or you need someone to come in late. I like Njoku, and I like the direction he's headed. Lastly, I have C.J. Uzma. Now, he wasn't a huge receiving tight end, but he was a big, impactful player in Cincinnati. And then he immediately gets dipped to the New York Jets. Now, the New York Jets haven't had a good tight end in what seems like decades. Now they've got a big guy in C.J. Uzma that Zach Wilson can trust. If any of these young wide receivers can't get the ground running, I would trust C.J. Uzma to go get me a ball. I love where he's at right now. I love the team he's playing for. Let's see if Coach Robert Sala can use him correctly. Could be a sneaky fantasy football tight end. So there's our top 10 tight ends. We are moving on to the defenses. Now, defenses and kickers, guys, I'm going to be dead honest with you. It is basically a crapshoot. Like, Do we actually know who's going to be the best defenses this year? Do we know who's going to score you a lot of crazy fantasy points as a kicker? Are they impactful for the team? Absolutely. But are you going to be guaranteed certain points each week? Not really. 
So, nevertheless, I'm going to give this my best shot, and we're going to see what happens. I have not done well in defenses in the past. I've done a little bit better with kickers. I've done all right with kickers because it's there's there's not very many to choose from in kickers. Basically, you go for the best offense, the best okay offenses that are going to get a lot of field goals. But defenses, man, the thing I learned this offseason was that when you're talking about fantasy football, you're not necessarily looking for the team that's going to stop other teams in points per game. You're looking for teams that are going to whip out those interceptions and fumble recoveries and pick sixes to get you those points. Dallas was the number one defense last year. They allowed 21.1 points per game, 26 league-leading interceptions, and six touchdowns with that defense. That's what scored them all those fantasy points. They were the best defense in fantasy by a long shot. Were they best defense in football? Not at all. But they could get you those turnovers. That's why they were the number one. Am I taking the Cowboys number one this year? Absolutely not. I don't trust them to do that insane stuff again. Do I think they're going to get turnovers? Probably. But let's see who I got number one. I'm going to go New Orleans Saints. Absolutely coming out of nowhere. This is this is probably the boldest prediction fantasy I'm going to have all year. I absolutely love these New Orleans Saints. The whole team, the offense, the defense, the, the whole shebang. They had a top five fantasy defense last year without Tyron Matthew, who you know is going to get you some interceptions. 19.7 points per game allowed, 46 sacks. Thank you so much, Cameron Jordan. 18 interceptions, seven fumble recoveries, 12 forced fumbles. This was a team that was going to stop you. Whether you're Tom Brady, whether you're the Atlanta Falcons, no matter who you are, the Saints we're going to have a formidable defense. Now they've got a team that I think is going to allow less points per game in 2022 and still get those turnovers for fantasy football. Give me the New Orleans as my number one defense. I am hoping that when I play certain teams, I, I'm in around four different fantasy football leagues when I play in the season. And I'm praying this year that I can sleep on a defense and grab those New Orleans Saints later and have them be the absolute breakout team that I want them to be. One of the more consistent overall defenses, now I think they make their mark on fantasy football, giving them New Orleans Saints at number one. Number two is the Buffalo Bills, guys. It's got to be the Buffalo Bills. This team has just been surefire for the last two seasons, led the league in only 17 points per game, 42 sacks, 19 interceptions, great secondary last year, 11 fumble recoveries, 10 11 forced fumbles, 10 fumble recoveries. They've just been super consistent. Have they been number one in fantasy the last few years? No, but they were, I think, four last year and two the previous year. So they, they're just always there. Their defense got even better with Vaughn Miller this year, and they didn't really lose anyone. Their division is going to be a little bit tougher because I think the Dolphins are better. I think the Jets are better, but I also think the Patriots are a little bit worse. So there's ups and there's... There's ups and downs to that, but are the Buffalo Bills going to have a top five defense, top three defense in the National Football League this year? Absolutely, but again, it's all about them turnovers. Can they keep the amount of interceptions? Can they get those sacks? Can they get those touchdowns? I'm not sure, but I'm sure and not going to put them lower than two. Give me Saints and Bills, the surefire two best defenses in fantasy football. 
I'm going to put the Dallas Cowboys at three. I think that's a respect to what they did last year. I already mentioned their stat line, but 26 interceptions and six touchdowns on the defensive side is no slouch, okay? Fantasy football-wise, this is a great team. Their division offenses, besides the Eagles, are terrible than Giants and Washington football team. They don't really have a super tough schedule outside of that. They're going to have plenty of opportunities to score on defense. Yeah, Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota, Houston, Jacksonville. I mean, they they have very easy schedules, especially at the end of the year. They finish their schedule super easy with Houston, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Tennessee, and Washington. This is a defense you're going to want to have on your team by the end of the season. Do I think they will end up being number three? Maybe, but from a turnover perspective, you got to have the respect that they put up last year. I'm going to put my Dal- the, the Dallas Cowboys, not my Dallas Cowboys. Good Lord, that would be a horrible situation to be in. The Dallas Cowboys at the number three, three spot. Number four, I got to put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, did they lose some players on defense? A little bit. But do they still have a great secondary that was hurt all year last year? Absolutely. Only 20.8 points per game allowed, 47 sacks, 17 interceptions, 12 fumble recoveries, 15 forced fumbles. This is a team that had a great defense the year before, great defense last year. I think this is the most guaranteed you're going to have in a defense in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to have a pretty tough schedule this year now that the Saints are infinitely better and I think they go and play some teams in the West a little bit, such as the San Francisco 49ers, LA Rams, and Kansas City Chiefs. But I think other than that, you are guaranteed to have a great defense with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, a defense that allows a lot of points but gets you a lot of turnovers and sacks, who has been up here in the top five the last two years, is the Miami Dolphins, and they're going to be my number five defense. 21.9 points per game, but 48 sacks, something that I was very surprised to see coming from a team that I've team that I've always known to be their secondary as their best part of their game. Only 14 interceptions last year, 13 fumble recoveries, second in the National Football League last year, and 14 forced fumbles. These guys were absolute beasts last year. Didn't really look like it because they lost so many games, but that was really just because their offense was hot trash. Okay, Now they're going to have a good offense. This defense is rejuvenated. They've got a lot of weapons. This defense isn't really going to go anywhere. Even though they're in a tough division, I still think they're going to handle themselves in the AFC. They surprisingly have an easier schedule than most when it comes to AFC teams. In other teams, they have to play. They got to play the Houston Texans, Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers. So I think there's a lot of games that they can take advantage. Obviously, they got to play the Patriots twice, the Jets twice. I think the Dolphins are going to stay right where they're at at the number five defense. Number six, I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts, another really underrated defense that hasn't really done much because their offense has been so poor, but 21.5 points per game allowed, 33 sacks, 19 interceptions, 14 14 fumble recoveries, and 17 forced fumbles. Fumble recoveries led the league last year. Indianapolis Colts grabbed a few extra guys in like Xavier Rhodes and some great defensive guys. I think they're going to be right where they were last year. Their division is absolutely garbage cannot go anywhere wrong with the Indianapolis Colts seven Los Angeles Rams right you got Aaron Donald you got Jalen Ramsey your division outside of the 49ers and Cardinals is pretty easy you're going to have a really really tough schedule but I think this team's going to get 
turnovers i think they they've been a top 10 defense the last few years right we always know they're going to have a really really good defense would i take them high this year absolutely not i think they have not really gone they they haven't really stepped up to the plate last year like they did two years ago where they were the number one fantasy defense right last year was it was a little bit of a letdown i don't think they'll do great this year again but i mean it's the rams how can i not put them in my top 10 Number eight, this one might surprise a lot of people, but I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. This was a top 10 fantasy football defense last year, to my surprise. They had 51 sacks and 16 interceptions. That fact blew my mind. Now you've got Cesarius Smith in there with a rookie, a brand new rookie cornerback, a division that has the awful Bears and the horrible Lions, and the Minnesota and the uh, Green Bay Packers have decreased on their offense just a little bit as well. This Vikings defense is going to take care of everyone in their division, and the NFC isn't really that hard as well. So unless they play an AFC team, I'm loving this Vikings defense. Do I trust them as much as I do the Rams? No, absolutely not. The Vikings got to give me a better resume than the Rams do. But if you want to wait on a defense as well, go for the Vikings late and see if they can get you a lot of good turnovers and sacks. Now, this is a team that has had an awful defense the last few years, but the offseason moves they've grabbed... I cannot help but to put them in my top 10. It's the LA Chargers. Third worst in the NFL with 27 points allowed last year. Only 11 interceptions and 35 sacks. But they had 18 forced fumbles, which led the league last year. So they were doing something okay in that area. But with the additions of Khalil Mack and JC Jackson, you ha- you have to put some... They have to put some points up in fantasy right I mean you you just don't see this type of talent crumble underneath the pressure and not get you some turnovers I don't trust them I wouldn't take them early in a draft at all I would love to see the rest of these teams go before I'm forced to forced to choose the chargers but to not put them on the 10 would would be a disjustice to what the talent to the talent they have on that team And lastly, it's the Baltimore Ravens. I honestly didn't know where to put the Ravens on this list. They've been so up and down in their fantasy rankings. They were top five two years ago, bottom five last year. They don't really put up a lot of turnovers. They stop you when they need to, but fantasy-wise, it's all about them sacks, interceptions, and fumble recoveries. And last year, they just didn't really get it done. They've done some good offseason moves. I think their secondary is one of the best in the league. But unless I see them really come out and show me some good fantasy prospects, I'm not going to take them super high on my list. Fantastic defense. Fantasy-wise, give me more. Now, the three sleepers that I'm looking at that you guys can maybe get as backups later, obviously my top 10 are my top 10. But there's some other ones I think I need to worth mentioning. The Denver Broncos, I think, have a phenomenal defense with an amazing secondary. We're top five. We're top three in points allowed last year with just 18 points. 18.9, but didn't really have a lot of sacks, didn't really have a lot of interceptions, didn't really have a lot of forced fumbles, didn't give you a lot of fantasy points. They've done a lot more on that defense with the addition of Randy Gregory. Their division is stupid tough. So that's really the reason I I don't have the Denver Broncos on this list. I think they have a great solid, like the Baltimore Ravens, a solid defense, not a lot of turnovers, tough division, but if they find a rhythm, you want to grab these guys as soon as possible. Another defense that has a great secondary, not as great as a front seven, is the Green Bay Packers, man. 
Green Bay Packers have always been projected to have these ridiculous defenses, and then they get into the regular season, and it feels like it's an offensive battle every time they go into a game, and Aaron Rodgers has to carry them. Can the Green Bay Packers finally give us a fantasy football defense that we've been waiting for? Lastly, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why isn't J.J. Watt on a great defense? He's a great player. I want to see him on a great defense. Come on, Pittsburgh Steelers. Give me something. With 55 sacks last year leading the league, help me out in fantasy football a little bit more. I'm not going to pick them whatsoever, but I think it's one to look out for in case they actually find a rhythm. Now, with time running down, I'd love to get into these kickers, man, because this kicker battle has been something ridiculous the last few years, and they're putting up some ridiculous points. First of all, Anyone who doesn't put Justin Tucker in their first position is an absolute moron, okay? He's the most accurate kicker in football history. He's got the strongest leg in football history. He's the most accurate last year. He just, he gets you a bucket. They would say that in basketball. Like, if you need someone to get you a bucket, they're going to get you a bucket. He's going to get you a goal every single time. Did he do great in fantasy last year? He was top five, but it doesn't really matter. This is the most trustworthy guy you're going to have, and I think he's going to be on an offense that was infinitely better than last year. Only 32 extra points, that'll go up. 35 field goals, that'll go up. There's no way you can't put Justin Tucker one. Let's get that out of the way. Another man who you can't have off your top three is Daniel Carlson. Number two overall last year, number one overall the year before, on a better offense this year. Led the league with field goals, had a great extra point percentage, led the league in fantasy points by a lot last year. There's no way I can't put Daniel Carlson at number two. It's Justin Tucker, it's Daniel Carlson, no doubt. Evan McPherson at three. You'll see a lot of people have this guy at number two overall. I can't put a second-year man number two. I think he had one of the most historic rookie careers that any kicker could have, especially the run he had in the playoffs where he didn't miss a single field goal. He missed five in the regular season, only two extra points though. But I mean, I think since, see the thing was, he didn't have a huge fantasy football resume because he kept scoring extra points. And that's the biggest thing with fantasy football. You can't necessarily go with the guy on the best offense. Matt Gay and Ryan Suckup didn't even crack the top 10 this year in fantasy football because they were scoring 56 and 48 extra points. Because their offenses just kept going haywired, right? You got to have that guy who's going to score, yes, touchdowns, but who also can get stopped and force you to score those extra points, to force you to score those field goals. That's why Justin Tucker gets a lot of fantasy points. That's why Daniel Carlson gets a lot of fantasy points. I think this year it's going to be why Evan McPherson will score more fantasy points. Now, the next three kickers are just, they're four, five, and six, and they're just consistent. It's Harrison Bucker, Matt Gay, and Ryan Suckup. I just mentioned these guys, how they don't get a ton of fancy points. But if you don't go with a guy who you know their offense is going to be great, then you're kind of ridiculous. You absolutely know the Kansas State Chiefs, the LA Rams, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to score points, right? Well, then why would you question them in fantasy football to at least get you points? I still think these guys are fantastic to have on your fantasy football lineup. Harrison Bucker can go get you a really deep field goal. Maybe not so much Ryan Matt Gay or Ryan Suckup, but those guys are going to be in the red zone scoring touchdowns, scoring field goals all day long. It's just that constant scoring. So I think those guys are great. 
At number seven is Jason Sanders. Now, this guy used to be the number one player in fantasy, but his offense so diminished last year and his kicking diminished last year that he became one of the worst kickers in fantasy football last year. Now he's got that ridiculous offense. If he can get more accurate, he missed 20, not 20. He made 23 out of 31. He missed eight field goals last year. That was his biggest problem. I think if he had made like five or six more, he'd have been way higher on the fantasy football rankings, but he didn't. Get back into that confidence level. Now you have an offense that's going to get you down the field and get you a lot more looks. I love Jason Sanders in this top 10. Tyler Bass was my number one kicker last year from the Buffalo Bills. But then I realized he scored 51 extra points, which is fantastic, but not great for fantasy football. He only made 28. So I need a guy who's going to score more field goals. I don't think Tyler Bass is going to do that. I think his offense is just good as it was last year, and he's going to make another 51 extra points, right? Is he a great fantasy football kicker to have? Sure. He's going to get you points, but he's not going to get those ridiculous points that a kicker who makes you know, four or five field goals a game will Tyler Bass, unbelievable kicker, not so much a fantasy, but a guaranteed bucket. Youngway Koo and Rodrigo Blankenship are going to round out my top 10. Now, Youngway Koo was a top 1-2 kicker the la- the previous two seasons, not so much last year, but the previous two seasons. He's got a heck of a leg. He's on a better team this year. He only made 30 extra points last year, but that's because he only had 30 attempts at it. He didn't miss a single extra point. He only missed two field goals, but because his offense was so bad and getting so many turnovers, he physically didn't have the opportunity. I would have him higher if he had a better offense, but because he doesn't have as good as an offense as he did, or I think he has a little bit better of an offense as he did last year, but not something that he had like two years ago or something like that that was going to get him in field goal range and get him those 50-yard field goals and get him those 40-yard field goals. He's just not going to have that as much. Again, great kicker. He won't miss, but he won't give you as many opportunities. Rodrigo Blankenship, at my number 10 spot, could easily go higher. The man averaged nine fantasy points last year, which was top 10, but he only played in five games. 11 for 14 field goals, 7 for 8 in extra points, 45 fantasy points, only five games. A Matt Ryan-led offense on a Jonathan Taylor-backed field is going to be prime for a healthy Rodrigo Blankenship. Hopefully he can get his legs in shape for this season with an easy division. He's going to have a lot more opportunities. I think you are still fine taking Blankenship as your starting kicker. His injuries are just the biggest question. And that's my top 10. Love those kickers. Love the top three. Go for whoever you want after that. The big questions for me revolve around offenses that I think are going to be fantastic, but kickers who haven't really proven themselves huge. The first being Brett Maher from the New Orleans Saints. I think the Saints offense, I know you guys are probably sick of me raving about them, but they're going to be fantastic. Can Maher get you some points? He missed only two field goals last year and two extra points in all eight games that he played with the Saints. So he could be really, really good. Same with Dustin Hopkins. This man used to be the most mediocre kicker. Well, no, he used to be a pretty good kicker in Washington, but he couldn't get any fancy points. Now he's with the LA Chargers, dog. He's with the LA Chargers, cracked the top 10 in fantasy last year when he moved with the Chargers, and now they have a better offense. Now he's in a good, he's in a great position, guys. 
But do you trust him to make all his field goals? He's not the most accurate. Would love to see how he starts off the season. And finally, Greg Joseph. Who is Greg Joseph? Well, I'll tell you who. He's the Minnesota kicker, and he cracked the top five in fantasy last year when he made 33 of 38 field goals and 36 of 40 extra points. The man had more field goal attempts than Justin Tucker. The Minnesota Vikings offense is ballistic midfield and can't get into the end zone. That's why he's so great in fantasy. The problem is I think Minnesota is going to be more in the end zone this year than giving Greg Joseph field goal attempts. Is he a great kicker? Absolutely. Do I trust him to make all of his kicks? No. Last year, I think the main reason he did well was because of the attempts he had. I think they're going to decrease. Is he... But I don't know, though. That's why I have him on like this edge list. He would definitely probably be my 11 because of what he did last year, but not really sure. So there you go, guys. I know that was a really, really quick, fast episode, but I wanted to dive deep on each of these positions because even though they might not get you the big points, they get you those little ones that can win you games. Let me know what you guys think. I'm going to be posting these on social media. Thank you guys so much for keeping up with me. This has been Kate Chums on NFL Study Hall. Next week, QB, RB, WR. Have a good weekend, guys. Peace out.